us through that this morning. We're talking about good soil. We are continuing our series, of course, through the Gospel of Luke. And uh, the title today is Good Soil. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever planted a garden? Anybody ever planted a garden? Raise your hand if you planted a garden. We got, we got two, three, four. That's it. We got four folks in here that have planted a garden. I mean, and, and you're probably like, well, why would I plant a garden? I just go to, I just go to, go to Winn-Dixie and get what I want, right? Go to Walmart. We did a garden one year, Heather and I. We did a garden one year. And we planted tomatoes, uh, zucchini, onion. We planted squash peppers, watermelon. I don't remember what all we planted, uh, but it, it took a little bit of work, right? Getting into grow takes took, takes a little bit of work, or, or maybe it takes a lot of work. Um, we had to till the ground. We had to clear it up of rocks and, and bad roots. We had to weed the bed. We had to water it. We had to weed the bed. We had to check for bugs. We had to weed the bed. We had to spray pesticide. We had to Read the weed the bed. We, yeah, I know, pesticide. We had to try to keep rabbits and deer out of it because rabbits and deer would come into the yard to get to, to eat. We had we had a we had a peach tree in, in our backyard, and uh, we had deer that would come into our backyard. It's crazy to watch them. They would stand up on their hind legs and, and get the get the peaches before we could. had to weed the bed. Did I mention that we had to weed the bed? Yeah. I mean, a fresh tomato is, so Heather, Heather was the weed the bed person. She was going to get weeded. She, she was going to go out there. She, her grandmother is like all about gardening, all about making, making sure the plants are, and so she, she got all of her garden um, abilities from her grandmother. tomatoes, we get watermelon. Uh, it's cool. Heather has a, has a friend at work, at work that is, has a garden and she's sending us some zucchini and, and squash and some cucumbers and uh, there's nothing like fresh squash, fresh zucchini, there's nothing like that right out of the garden. Amen? You never had fresh garden fruits and vegetables and all you've ever had is a tomato from the store and you've never had a tomato that doesn't isn't perfectly round? Right? Because there's tomatoes that aren't perfectly round taste better than tomatoes that are perfectly round. And if you never had the difference, you are missing out. So, But it takes some work to get this produce, to have the garden grow. You have to get rid of the rocks. You have to guard against pests and animals that would rob you of the harvest. You have to make sure that the sun doesn't scorch the plants. You have to be willing to do the work. And if you are willing to do the work, the harvest tastes like nothing else. Then there's joy in the harvest. There's pride in the harvest. There's sweetness in the harvest. There's life in the harvest. But you have to be willing to do the hard work of preparation and protection with persistence. You have to be willing to do the hard work of preparation if you're going to reap a harvest. If you want the harvest, you have seed grow, right? You have to make space for the seed. The seed will work. You just have to give the seed room. And Jesus uses this analogy of a seed in one of his easiest to understand
actually explains it. He doesn't always explain every parable, but he explains this one. And so we're going to take a few minutes this morning to look at this parable and to look at Jesus' explanation of this parable. It's the parable of the sower. So in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8, we see this. A large crowd was gathered of people coming to Jesus from every town. He said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path it was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock, and when it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground, and when it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. And as he said this, he called out, Let anyone who has ears to hear listen. Right, so let's take a minute and look at this parable on its face first before we look at Jesus' explanation of this parable, right? The first thing that we're introduced to in this parable, the first thing we're introduced to is the sower, right? Then we're introduced to the seed. Then we're introduced to the scatter. And then we're introduced to the soil. So the sower, the seed, the scatter, and the soil. Let's notice a few things here, okay? If you're taking notes, you can write these things down. The sower, the sower has a mission. The sower has a mission, and that mission is to sow seed and to reap a harvest. The sower is the owner of the seed. And the seed has the ability within it to grow and produce a harvest, to produce fruit. Now, the sower is also indiscriminate with the scattering of the seed. Some seed he sows intentionally, and some seed is almost sown, it looks like, haphazardly. But it doesn't matter because seed is sown everywhere. Everywhere the sower goes, seed is sown. Seed is scattered in the path, it's scattered on the rocks, it's scattered in thorns, it's scattered on good soil. The the sower sows seed everywhere the sower goes. Say that five times fast. There is nowhere that the sower goes that seed is not scattered. It's almost as if, actually, it is as if the seed is just the overflow of the sower. That the seed cannot not be scattered wherever the sower goes. But we also see something is that even though the seed is scattered everywhere the sower goes, there is nowhere that the sower goes that seed isn't scattered. The seed that is scattered only fulfills its mission when it lands on good soil. It only produces its fruit. It only brings its harvest when it lands on good soil. The sower scatters seed, but the receptivity of the soil is what allows the seed to grow up to produce an abundant harvest. So Jesus says this parable, says this about the sower, the seed, the soil, the scattering, and the disciples don't understand it like, hold up, say what, Jesus? Say say what? And maybe this morning you're like the disciples. You hear it. You hear this parable, and it, it sounds good to you. It piques your interest. Maybe it even stirs something in your spirit. But you're not quite sure exactly what Jesus is saying here. You are in the company of the disciples. 
verse 9 and 10 from Luke 8, then his disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? So he said, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know, but to the rest it is in parables so that they looking may not see and hearing may not understand. What Jesus says is that these parables that he is, that he is saying, that he is telling the people, these, these parables, and this one specifically, even, reveals one of the secrets of heaven. It reveals one of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. The sower, the seed, the scatter, the soil, it is all about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He's always doing that. But when he does it in parables, he's doing it in a way that only those who are tuned in to the Spirit, only those who are allowing the Spirit to work in them, when he speaks in parables, he's speaking to those people away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, having no root, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among thorns, those are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life. The seed lands on receptive soil, the seed grows into a mighty harvest, but not every seed lands on receptive soil or good ground. But that doesn't mean that the sower shouldn't scatter seed everywhere he goes. That doesn't mean that the word should not be proclaimed everywhere. Just because it's not going to always take root doesn't mean we should not always proclaim. Just because when it's scattered, it may land among rocks or among thorns doesn't mean that we should that we should limit who we preach the gospel and share the gospel with. We may not know if their soil is good or not. Let's be people who proclaim the word everywhere we go. Because we don't know, it may land on good soil. We can't see the heart. We can't see if they have a good and honest heart. We can't see if they have receptive soil. They're outside. Their, their appearance may look like they are going to reject, but we don't see what they see and what they are on the inside. We don't see who they are and what they are and what they're willing to receive. 
talk about this seed that falls along the path. Please check with me in verse 12. The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts that they may not believe and be saved. All right, again, so the seed is scattered everywhere. seed before it takes root, the enemy has has brought certain death. The enemy has allowed his plan to fail. The enemy wants to snatch that seed, but how does the devil take away the seed? Jesus says something here that I think gives us a clue. Jesus says that the devil snatches it away so that they will not believe, that they may not believe. I think the key word here is belief. Belief. What we believe about the seed, what we believe about the word is what produces change in us. What we believe about the word is what allows us to become members of the kingdom of heaven or to continue to follow our own path to destruction. What we believe about the seed, what we believe about the word is life changing. It either changes our life for the kingdom or disbelief changes our life for the kingdom. Do we believe? And so the first maneuver of the enemy is to get you to disbelieve the effectiveness of the word and the effectiveness of the kingdom see it in the very beginning, in the very opening chapters of the book. We see it when the serpent tempts Eve with the fruit. The serpent says, did God really say? And the plan and the purpose and the schemes of the enemy, his lying, deceptive ways have not changed. He still will use the same tactic. Did God really say the enemy wants us to disbelieve, to doubt the effectiveness and the truth of the word of God? Did God really say? We see this. We see this word from the enemy. We see this this snatching away by the enemy in all types of philosophies. We see it in, in philosophies. We see it in the hypocrisy of the church throughout moments of history. We see it in the modern idolization of identity. We see it in the rise of atheistic thought. We see it on YouTube, on news channels, on TikTok. We see it in popular media. The question from the serpent's tongue to our ears is, did God really say? a lie from the, from the enemy. He wants us to disbelieve. He wants us to doubt. Did God really say that Jesus is the only way? The, if, if, if there's all these, if, if there's bad things, why does God allow bad things to happen? Why does God allow all this? Did God really say that? Why did the, did God really say that? Why did the world say that? Did God really say that? 
be within the boundaries of a male-female binary, and that sexual activity is to be within the boundaries of the male-female covenant relationship. Did God really say that? We hear these questions all the time. Did God really say? The devil has launched an all-out war against the Word.
what is the value of a plant for the world? The seed may be planted, it may take root, but if no mature fruit is produced, the plant has not lived up to its creative intent, it has not lived up to its purpose. You, church, were created to bear by John the baptizer in Luke chapter 3 verse 8 he says therefore produce fruit consistent with repentance and don't start saying to yourselves because Abraham is our father for I tell you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones John then proceeds to talk about what repentance looks like very simply we talked about this several weeks ago but very simply it looks like the kingdom of heaven on earth living like the kingdom of heaven repentance literally means to go in a different direction to turn and go in a different direction. Repentance literally means a change of mind that produces change of behavior. So if you believe the seed of the word, it's going to cause you to change your behavior. Your belief changes your behavior. When you believe what the word says, your behavior lines up with what the word says. Does that make sense? different direction. 
you bear is seen in 